0: All right, well, hi ladies. It's a beautiful drive down. Um, Brenda gets tired of me pointing out red buds when it's red bud season. Uh, But how many of y'all noticed the red buds coming down? Anybody besides me? Uh How many of you noticed the dogwoods? Raise your hand. How many of y'all noticed that north of London it's mostly all red buds, but after you got south of London, it's mostly all dogwoods. Did anybody notice that on your way back? pay attention you get you you'll get the dogwood display on your way up and then and did anybody else notice that besides me yeah, I wonder if they plant those red buds or if they're just natural but but it was pretty amazing well, but it wasn't nearly amazing or as beautiful as the crowd I'm looking at right now. So, uh, and I, I, I feel especially connected tonight. Um, most of y'all know that, that I uh, got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, so they put me through radiation and everything's good now. But they put me on hormone therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last six months, I've been having hot flashes <laughs> and that would be my cousin over there giving me that so welcome me to the club ladies this is, <laughs> I mean what well, you got I, I, I I'm gonna take my jacket off and on on the way down here air conditioner heater air conditioner heater I mean this, this is real it's not <laughs> And so, uh, I, I feel like one of the crew tonight, so just, just count me in. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, really, you know, what a beautiful uh, bunch of women, you know. I, I think if you went to, what, what's that thing called where they give away those little statues? Uh, the Oscars, you know. <laughs> if, 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 if you go to the Oscars... You know, they've got all these fancy dresses and they've spent about a million dollars to lift this and tuck that and whatever it is they do. Uh, but boy, they'll never touch the beauty that we have in this room. Uh, it, it's amazing what God can do uh, when he works from the inside out. And that's, that's where your real beauty is. So uh, I, I'm just, uh, I wouldn't say honored, but I think I'm more embarrassed to stand before you. Uh, But here I am, so I'm going to talk. Um, (laughs) Shannon asked me to just basically re-give a teaching that I did at ECF, so I apologize to the ECF ladies who were there. How many of y'all were there the night I talked about going to Ayula? Let me raise your hand. Oh, not many of you. So there won't be too many people that are bored. But she asked me to talk about community. Um, And so what I'm going to do tonight, Oh, she said lay out the biblical call to live in community. And so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to hit some uh, definitions. And then after that, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, sort of a little exercise that we'll do. Um, then after that, I think I will talk about why you would want to live in community. Where's, where's, where's Melanie? That's number three. Um, she, she chides me. Pardon me? I was getting ready to say, she's the one who always... She interrupted me. She's the one who always chides me for not following my numbering system. I rest my case. Um, And then I'm going to do a little bit of history about us as a people. And then number five, that is number four. Then number five, um, uh, I'm going to talk about sort of the stages of, of life and how the kingdom... You uh, may live may, may live differently at different stages. So uh, let's go ahead and start with some definitions. I, I, I have a long definition from Webster's, dip- dip, uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, but uh, I, I condensed it. So can, can we throw that up? I don't, I don't know if it will come up or not. Can, can, can you all see that? Oh, you might have to make it smaller so it all gets on there or something. Or move it around. Well, uh, that's smaller. Ooh, hey, we're back. There you go. So, if you go look it up, it's, it's, it has two or three long sections. But i boiled it down to this. What, what is a community? We'll be using, that's the word that, um, one of the words that Shannon uh, used to identify what we're talking about this weekend. And my, my assignment was community. So, a unified body of individuals with common interests interacting in a common location within a larger society, grouped together by common interests and policy while scattered through that larger society that enjoy joint ownership and participation, a common character and social activity. So a community is a group of people (laughs) Within a larger society that has all of these things, they have a different government, a different policy, a different government. Their character is different. and It's that character and policy and way of life that causes them to be a community. Even while they're interacting with the greater society. Does that make sense? And uh, so that's the first definition. I have two more definitions, uh, but I lettered them rather than numbered them, so I'm going to go on to B. And uh, it's a word that we use a lot. It's the biblical word uh, fellowship. You don't find community in the King James or ESV. That word's not there. Uh, But it does talk about the people of God. Um, But the word fellowship is there. And it's a word that, uh, it's koinonia. When we were uh, just starting, koinonia was, you know, everybody was learning four Greek words. Agape, koinonia, maranatha, and uh, shalom.
1: And uh, so we were
0: all Greek and Hebrew scholars. Uh, but there was a Koinonia house on uh, on campus. Oh yeah, in Aletheia—that's uh, truth, and that's that's the five words that everybody knew and everything. Bands were named Aletheia. Uh, there was groups called Maranatha. Uh, but this is the word fellowship. Koinonia fellowship, and it just means to jointly participate, to jointly participate, and we see it in two directions: to jointly participate with God. In Christ, And to jointly participate with one another. So for us, we decided to be, be Lexington Christian Fellowship rather than church because at that point in time, church could mean a lot of different things. And so we wanted to define what we were doing. We wanted to participate with God as we participated with each other, to jointly participate in the work. So it's not a hierarchical system. But it's a people together. That's an organic unity, fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship, doing the same thing. Let me just read this real quick. The Greeks discovered the individual—that the individual with his personal life and rights—they begin to identify as human beings. Uh, You have—you're an individual. You have your rights. Oh, you're a person. Yet, they had a strong sense of the duty of the individual towards society. You are who you are, but a big part of who you are is the part that you play towards society. The individual lives by and for society. The freeing of the individual from society disturbs society. This orderliness runs through the whole of reality. It is valid in the koinos and in nature. In other words, nature itself speaks of community and unity and oneness. And each part of unity finds who it is by the part it plays. And the part it plays makes up the thing it's a part of. If the individual is not to perish, he must be firmly bound to the koinos. This leads to theories and forms of society which are in some measure communistic. But we are to distinguish these quite radically from modern communism with its economic orientation. And so when we were getting started, there, there were sort of communistic ideas that we really shied away from. But The idea of communal living was very appealing and, and seemed very biblical to us. Then uh, the third word, or C, point two C, um, or is this one C? <laughs> this is one C. This is still one C. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is the word homothumidon, or homothumid, uh homothumidon is actually the way you pronounce it. And how many of you ever heard me try to say that word before? I first tried to say it at a retreat at Pumpkin Creek Lodge and ask me a story about that, but uh, the word denotes the inner unity of a group of people engaged in an extremely similar action. It can be rendered with one mind. This is in the second paragraph. It's very long. Here's in the second paragraph. First, the term, now pay real close attention to this. The term does not denote the personal sympathy of those participating, but material interest in a specific action. The oneness, the togetherness, is not because of personal feelings, but because each has been called to the same purpose. That's very important in Christian community, that we're, we don't have this humanistic uh, liking of one another. That comes with it. But what holds us together is we are all radically committed to something greater than ourselves. And that makes us one. That makes us community. It calls upon the people to set aside personal feelings and instead work to resist the plans of the enemy. Secondly, this common material concern is not based upon a similarity of inclination or disposition, but upon an event which comes on a group from without. Wow. That's a Greek definition. And so we hijack that word and we use it. We are unified because of one reason. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, has called us bring his kingdom into the earth. And if we are all committed to that together, that creates a oneness, homothumadon, is, is actually translated together, that's a togetherness, and our joint participation, which causes us to be a people within a society who have the same ideas, same purposes, and same government. Is, is, that, is that clear? Is that, does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about this week, is the coming that. So the second thing that I wanted to mention then was um, I wanted to start in a way that, that I started over at ECF. And this is what I'd like you to do. You know, we have this uh, mission down in uh, uh, Monte Sinai is the name of the new village. How many of y'all know about Mount Sinai? Raise your hand if you don't know about Mount Sinai, the village. You don't know about Mount Sinai, the village? Uh, uh, Es una comunidad nueva que que estamos sembrando con los hermanos allá porque unas familias tuvieron unos problemas con la comunidad en que vivieron. Porque recibieron a Cristo y por eso la gente era castigada por la gente. Y por eso estamos estableciendo un lugar nuevo que se llama Monte Sinaí. Hay, uh, uno de, hay 13 familias. Es nuevo, es una comunidad nuevo. And so let's think about, uh, let's think about, did, was that close enough? Did I get it? <laughs> uh, so, so we are, we're, we're building this new place. And here's what I'd like you to think about. Let's say that we decided after after spending 30 years in Ayutla uh, working to establish uh, the kingdom there, we have decided the best thing for us to do would be to send 25 people down to Mount Sinai to live there. And this would be the best way for us to bring the kingdom and to, to sort of fast track uh, those mistakes. Okay, So here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to stop and think And talk with someone next to you. What all would need to change in your life for you to go live on a mountainside where the only running water comes out of a hose that's stuck in the creek uh, up the hill and it just runs about that fast? No hot water, no ovens, dirt floors, adobe walls. What will you have to do if we decide to send you to Iucla? Talk to the people next to you. What, what difference would that make in your life? Okay, there's nothing like turning a bunch of ladies loose and saying, y'all talk. <laughs> what, what an obedient class. I noticed Lucy wasn't really talking to anybody. She's like, leave America go to Mexico. You should leave China and have to go to the U.S. <laughs> it's crazy over here. All right, so I, I hope you talked about the need to learn a new language. How, some of you might feel like you're ahead of the game because you speak Spanish. Uh, how many of you speak Spanish? Speak, let, raise your hand if you speak Spanish. Things might put your little head. Well, it won't because they don't speak Spanish. They speak Mistec. <laughs> Mistec is a tonal language, uh, which means each letter has four tones. And so with two letters, you can make 16 different words, like Yobaten and and Yobaten. 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 Uh, And so you can, with just two letters, you can make 16 different words. And so that would probably be the first thing that would be challenging to you, a different kind of language, okay? And then the next thing would be hygiene. There is no hot water, uh, and you cook over an open fire. Uh, That would probably be a little bit different. Uh, It's amazing to me, though. These means take women, they come out, and they look... Like they're getting ready to go to the Oscars. I mean, they come out just lipstick on, hair perfect. I don't know how they do it in this little hut they come out of, but it, 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 it's a funny thing. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, and then how about your children? And how about you, ladies who aren't married? Because every man's take's about this tall. The smells are different. Uh, the average meat makes about $1,500. Just think if you made $1,500 a year. And so so hard materials, you could only buy $1,500. Everything else you raised, goats, corn, beans, uh, hamica, and you, you live, you eat that. That's what you eat. Uh, but you buy material that make clothes. Think about doing that. I mean, stop and think about really doing it because we do hope... We have a few people who are willing to do that. To go down and to immerse themselves in the culture and live among the people. Not in kind, but in magnitude. The difference between living up in a new village in the mountains and living in the United States. Now listen real close. Becoming a Christian and leaving that community, the world, and become a Christian should have affected your life just as much. That's how different we should be from the world. It should turn you inside out. And so when you stop and you contemplate what Jesus called them to do, he didn't say, theoretically and metaphorically, leave your mother and father. He said, leave your mother and father. He didn't say, let me tell a good parable metaphorically, sell all that you have and give to the poor. He said, literally, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he called people to do things that turn their life upside down, that ripped them out of the materialistic culture they were living in. And live by faith a life of love, giving themselves to other people. And so when we use the word community or the word fellowship and we call people to a way of life, what most people see from the outside that invites them in is our love for each other and our care for each other, uh, and our support of one another, and our, our, our common life together. What they don't see is the great cost for us to have love for each other. Because that means we've quit loving ourselves. So we don't build our society around our kids. We don't build our society around my comfort. We don't build our society around my preferences. When we decide to move in a direction, what do we do? We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we together give ourselves to him, and it costs some of us our wealth. It costs some of us our profession. It costs some of us our vacation. It costs some of us our friendships. It costs some of us our favorite as we seek the direction of the risen Savior to give ourselves fully to this community who's held together by one thing, to see Him glorified. Not to provide a nice, safe home for us, but to be an ambulance, (laughs) to be a rescue ship that is going out into the world to win and save those people who have no idea Jesus is and so when we were use the word community it is not at all like like most people think of community you usually think of picket fence nice little community now we are the community of the living God we are a people who are united in pouring ourselves out and living the crucified life for one purpose and it's pulled together in a polity. It's pulled together in a government. It's called the kingdom of God. And we live under that government. We give ourselves to it. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Praise so why would, <laughs> why would anybody want to do that? Um, well, I have six reasons. And now we're on to number three, which are the six reasons. Number one, this is the Father's house. It is the representative of as it is in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. Thy kingdom, thy will be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. Do we really want the Father's will here as it is in heaven? We only know one person who actually came down from heaven and lived out the Father's will. And what did he do? He came down, divested himself of of every. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. Why? So he could restore the Father's house. So people could see what the Father's house is supposed to look like. Heaven is an ever growing community being populated in one house as departed saints join with the eternal community of father son and spirit we here demonstrate that house and invite people to become a part based on what they see the spirit doing in the way we live that's why we're community is to be the community of god out of heaven lived out here how many of y'all would like to do that that's number one number two It is a way in which we participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. Here, we practically die to our own creature comfort and come alive to the service of others. People who serve everybody serve nobody. But people who serve specifically have to lay their lives down. Number three. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not an exercise in self-will but a yielding to the Holy Spirit as He leads us in the will of the Father by the life of the Son. What we are describing and what we are called to is nothing less than participating in the Spirit of God. If you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, He will lead you into community. That is living your life together with people for one common purpose. Number four, it is the exercise of faith It makes no sense unless you believe in heaven. It makes no sense unless you believe in the kingdom of God. Number five, community is the mold or the context for love and unity. You can talk about love. You can talk about unity. But the mold, the the skeleton on which that is built, true love and true unity is Christian community. And then number six, the scripture teaches us. What we know from God is that he has called us to live together in unity. All right. If there's any scripture that we referred to when we were first getting started, it's Acts 2. So I might as well just read that as, as we finish up talking about Why? Acts 2 41 through 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's where the, we got the word fellowship. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they attended the temple together and broke bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, such as should be saved. Hallelujah. That's what we want to do. So that's why. Number four. I'm going to give you a history of the church. And this is my apology for existing. Uh, this is my apology for why we exist as a church. Uh, so, uh, Christian history in five minutes. So Jesus had 12 disciples, one betrayed him. They replaced him with Matthias. And we read about the only place, the only place that we can read about the church as a history of the church, not individual churches, would be in Acts and Revelation. Now, trying to model your church after the book of Revelation is challenging. And so we've chosen to look at the book of Acts and figure out what the church might look like. And so... We kind of look to the Bible as our pattern for what the church should be. Now, I've been around the church, church life, for about sixty years that I can remember. I'm sixty-seven. I got saved when I was six, and uh, the church today is extremely different from what it was when I was a little boy. Uh, I could go, I could go into great detail of, of the differences, concerning differences. Uh, and joyful differences. But it's very, very different. And so after about 100 or 150 AD, you can go back and you can read church history. But anywhere church history is different from what the Bible says, you want to move back toward the Bible. And so the church got started, and early on there was a split. There was a group over in Egypt called the Coptics. Uh, that developed along a different sort of liturgy. And then the, the main trunk of the tree continued, and in the 11th century, they had a big split over government, and who was boss, very typical, and they went their different directions. And then, in the 15th century, there were two splits, again. One was the Anglican Church, who went their own way, and the other one was sort of the beginning of the Protestant Church, And they went their own way. And so by the time we come along, the church has gone many different... Are you all Anglican or something? I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to. So by the time we come along, the church has one, two, three, four, four major branches that are going in different directions. But all along the way, as, as, as the church continues, and, and there's a primary group, guess what? From the very beginning, there have been groups like us. There have been people who have said, look, I am just going to do what the Bible says. We're most familiar with it happening before the Reformation, with people like Huss, uh, people like the Moravians, the Hutterites. Uh, they realized that the main church had needed to keep everything under a, a, a single government so strongly that they had instituted a bunch of things that sort of suppressed our ability to be led of the Spirit and to be built into the people of God. And so over and over, those people would kind of break away. And over and over, churches that had power would kill those people uh, to get rid of that problem. So we find our history, we find our connection with those people who have always said, let's go back to the Bible... And let's see what it says. And let's do our best to live as the Word of God teaches. So that's kind of where we fit in. And so let's bring that forward to about the 60s, which is when I was going through high school. And I've lost my... Where's Aurora? Yeah. Uh, So so we show up. Our church sort of has its roots in... uh, in the 60s. I don't know how many of y'all have seen this movie, but uh, keep, look, I, I hope we have sound. Square. These are your roots. Square. I think I should invite you right this weekend. What's this weekend? <laughs> Three, Guests here today. I'd like to meet my new friends. Welcome. They don't belong here. Everyone wearing shoes. They're staining in your chest carpet. They need our help. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom. Let's begin. I was done with this. But then we with this thing, okay, the did what nobody else would do day, the feeling for So when we started as a church, it was in the it was right after the '60s, and if you know anything about history, it was during the '60s that there were a lot of cults that were evolving. Uh, the Moonies began then. Uh, Charles Manson, you may have heard about him. Uh, uh, a guy named Johnson down in uh, Guyana, uh, and just a lot of different cults, uh, because the whole nation was crying out for. Y'all say the word. Community. Love. uh, Relationship. And it wasn't happening. Uh, The churches through the last century became shaped in psychological, materialistic, economic models. They took on the values of America and they built their churches by appealing to the desires of Americans who had been trained by American culture. And so when it got to the next generation, it was empty. Kids could see through the emptiness and the division and the brokenness. My own testimony is simple. Uh, I told my dad, if our church splits again, I will not go back. It did and I didn't. Uh, We started a Bible study uh, at my high school. Uh, And then not long after that, a group out of California showed up in our city and began to gather up all the hippies and the drug addicts and, and yes uh, Catherine John ran around in a moo Uh <laughs> Bill had hair over his ears uh, Larry and Kurt I think at times did the same. Uh, Ron showed up. He was just your typical hippie. Jeans uh, 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 a flannel shirt and down to wherever, I don't know. Uh, But but the problem was that the churches had not really become a community that reflected Christ, but once again it had become this political uh, institution that wanted to control uh, the the church itself and the people in the church. Uh, And so people were just going crazy. So In 1974, when several of us were at UK and all of this was going on, we got together in a Bible study. And we started studying and saying, what should the church look like? And so it was out of that turmoil of the sort of the the latter half of the 20th century uh, that we became like the Hutterites or the Moravians or whoever said, we need to find what God is really saying because our culture is falling apart. So that's kind of where our roots are in, in, in deciding that we wanted to become what we called a New Testament church. And as we began to study, that's where we came across these words and these ideas. And so uh, that's the history in five minutes. That, that was a quick five minutes. The next thing... That I wanted to do then is to, as we've lived together, hey, who has been here over 25 years? Would you stand up? If you've been here over 25 years. (laughs) Sorry, sister. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Thank you all. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. For 25 years, these people have been living together with one common purpose and trying to identify how that would look or what that should look like. And as you find out what that should look like, it looks very different from the way the general population lives their life. And so, what I want to do is, I want to walk through a few stages of life that as we would get to them, we would figure out, hey, Maybe that's not the best way to do it. Uh, So let me let me just start here. Um, Young singles. We were young singles when we got started. Uh, What do young single people do? I had uh, Ernie Saker's my best friend. He and he asked me. He said, "Boom." When your kids go out on a date, what do they do? It, I mean, a movie costs $16? And what are they? And, and he said, Chris told me they go, they go hang out at the coffee shop. That's only $12. <laughs> but just think about it. If you were going to decide right now, the household of God with a father. What would he have his young, single men and women do? How would he have them live? And if you just stop and ask that question, it changes everything. And then if you add on the other two reasons of the first three reasons of the community: What would the father have us do? What does our single life, how does it demonstrate? Death and resurrection. And number three, how can we be led of the Spirit to live our lives in this way? Just think if you stopped and prayed and you saw God together, you could come out of that and you could have a pretty radically different looking group of single people. You could care for the sick and widows. You could talk to other singles about how to minister to young married couples with kids. Not coffee dates, not game nights, not movies. But we turn our Friday nights into evangelism. I, I I I really I really have this bug. Can I can I can I give you one of my bugaboos? Game night. Hey, we want to reach the law so we're gonna do game night. There's probably one or two people here that maybe got saved because of game night. Raise your hand if you got saved because of game night. Uh, okay. <laughs> How many people here got saved because somebody at a point in time was out of their house and they shared the gospel with you? Would you raise your hand? Raise it real high. Now, single people, let me suggest something to you. You might want to get together and seek God about how He would have you live your life. Because this culture wants to smother you and suck the life out of the most vibrant able time of your life and keep you stuck in your house fellowshipping and doing game night get together and pray and seek God it's a new it's 50 years later you know like that girl said to the guy in the little clip, I'm not cool I don't know how you guys are going to do it, but you need to find out if that's your stage in life you got to get it figured out all right. Um, oh, I have some more stuff written here. You could submit yourself to the leadership and ask what you can give yourself to to make life easier for others in the church. I have a whole list of needs of people. that If I had single people coming and knocking on my door, I could keep you busy for the next 10 years. Not for me, but for people I know that have legitimate needs. Alright, then after that, some of us got married. And we were young couples. And so that's a crucial time of life. And it's a time that you set your pattern for the rest of your life. And so the pitfall is to focus on family more than on the family unit serving the work of the kingdom. Uh, I know back in those days, families were so destroyed... A lot of people, the one thing they wanted was a happy family. But is that what God wants? The God who told you to leave your mother and father forsake your brother and sister. No, what God wants is for people to see Him. What God wants is for people to be brought into the kingdom. What God wants is to reach those that have not met His Son and found life. Does that mean that we don't have great families? I think we have some of the best families in the world because we didn't train them to be self-consumed, but we trained them to be a community, to give themselves together for a purpose greater than their own lives. Sweetheart, mommy's not all about you. Mommy's all about helping you be all about him, and that's the way we live our lives. Family and marriage is an offering to the church. Talk with your spouse and have clear structure of how to knit your family into the community life. Alright, that's young married couples, but then something happens when you get married. Often, Not always, but often. You have a baby. Now, how would the kingdom be different in regard to babies? How would it be different? First of all, we would have our babies rather than abort them. For sure. (laughs) We know that. Uh, But beyond that, it's very easy for babies to become an excuse not to participate in the work of the kingdom. It's very easy after a sleepless night. Uh, It's very easy when a baby has a runny nose to use that as an excuse to not participate in the work of the kingdom. And it's been funny, all through, the, all through these years, you have these mothers who are just troopers, you know. They overcome all of the, the opposition that comes with the responsibility of a baby, and they continue to serve and give themselves and, 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 and see, see the community grow out of their life. But every once in a while, maybe every decade, We'll have someone just, you know, I've got this baby and I just, you know. And, and, and so they live in a way uh, that, that uses the baby as an excuse rather than an opportunity. I mean, there's nothing like a woman with a baby being around, it just brings life and joy and fulfillment to, to everybody in the room. Uh, and so you've got to think that through. Um, the house. Can be an insulation against paying the price to be community. It's easy to say the baby is sick, etc. It's harder to get to meetings, but if you really want it, if you really want to be part of community, you pay the price to get to those meetings. I always like seeing that better with men in the room because it's easier for them for their wives to bring the baby when it's sick. All right. Uh, then after after the baby comes along, then uh, you have several kids running around. That's another stage, and this is a stage that a lot of people are in. When we were talking to Ben's group, uh, this was a stage that they were in. So now you've got four kids, ages say fifteen to six. So you've got ballet, you've got baseball, you've got uh, volleyball. You've got guitar lessons. You've got violin lessons, etc., etc., etc. How should you live your life? How can you take all of that and knit it together? And let me say, our older ladies have done a fabulous job of not, of not turning their household into just a taxi service that only serves the purpose of their kids, uh, but to help equip them to be what they need to be and to, to live lives in such a way where they know where they they have to give and they know where they can take and uh, that is a difficult stage don't don't be overcome and revert to living a selfish life but continue to be mindful of community how do we as a community do this a big part of it is knitting yourself together with other mothers who have kids in the same Uh, category. I remember, I can't remember the story exactly, but it was getting that time and a lot of our little girls were joining ballet. It all happened in one year, and uh, a number of them joined one ballet uh, school, and a number joined another ballet school. Well, if we want to live our lives together and be, be an example, we want to be together. So, The half that joined one school, they just left that school and went and joined in the other school, and they were able to be, you know, a great influence there. So don't think about the best place for your kid. Think about the best place for your kid. Let's see. Don't ask what does my kid like. Ask what are we going to do together. All right, then. Teenagers. Then you become a parent with teenagers. Uh, at Mars Hill, is it what time is it? We got started like didn't we? What time is it? Oh, that's what time is it? <laughs> then, if you have teenagers, you get the idea. <laughs> um, and so, through all of that. As 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 we came through, we found ways to live our lives together. Let me give you a quick list. Uh, we vacation together. We have a fast day together. There's nothing that creates community like fasting together and bringing your family into it. We have church prayer time before church. Uh, we have Mars Hill. We have park dates for moms and kids. We do lunch together on campus. Life together is the best form of evangelism. So let me just read. Talking for fifty minutes, uh, actually forty-eight minutes. Let me read uh, the reasons for doing this. Like one more time, it's the Father's house, and He wants us to represent Him. Two, it's a way in which we participate in the life and death of Jesus Christ as we live lives. Together, two. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, three. Sorry, Melan. No, three. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Four. It is an exercise of faith. Five. Community is the mold or the context for true love and unity. And number six, the Bible tells us so. There you go. Fifty minutes. Sorry, a little bit long. Yeah. Yeah. great.